Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Search Todd and Jed. AMA Motocross. We've had five rounds since the last pod. So we had one round at Ironman Raceway, the doubleheader at Redbud, Millville, and then WW Ranch. The tracks at all of those have been, you know, pretty similar, except for the opening mudder, of course, at Loretta Lynn's, and they've all looked really, really good. And they're really typical American. Like, I've been watching the races a bit, and, like, I've never paid heaps close attention to it, but the more I pay more, you can really start to see the differences in the tracks between America and Europe. You know, in the States, it's these, you know, grip it and rip it, point and shoot tracks, lots of jumps and rollers going on, and they all have similar dirt, right, similar surfaces. Um, you know, except WW Ranch, which was more sandy on top, but just an interesting observation there. The 450 class has been really competitive. Lots of fast guys in there mixing it up in the top 10. Uh, so in the 450 class, Zach Osborne is your current points leader with two rounds to go. Um, he's 29 points up on Adam Cincerullo in second. Moosegan's in third on, he's 30 points down from Zacho. So there's only one point in between Cincerulo and Muscan, as we speak about it right now. For me, um, Zach Osborne, I mean, wow, what a performance so far. 29-point lead, as I just said. Dominant 1-1 at Redbud and WW Ranch, which I think was a huge statement ride. And, look, I know I was tooting my own horn a bit in the last show when I was tipping Osborne saying, oh, come on, you know, how good's Husky and Osborne and everything. But I honestly didn't think he'd be as fast and have the majority of the wins so far in the championship. Yeah, I didn't think that either. I didn't. I didn't pre- predict Osborne. I knew Cincerello would be up the front. Um, you know, he's going to have those flashes of brilliance, and but he's going to crash. Yeah, and he has. But I, I knew he'd be up there. But I didn't. I didn't picture Zach. To be honest, I'm I'm kind of disappointed it took this long for him to get to this point. Like That's true. after watching him in two fifties, I expect him to come out of the gate and just and not dominate, but just run up front. But it's taken him a while to get here, but it's it's nice to finally see him up the top and running like how he used to in the 250s. Yep. But I knew as soon as he won that um, second mile at Loretta's, I'm like, all right, he's you on. watch. Like, he'll come and if he starts getting a roll, it's done. It's over for him. And he has. He's controlled that thing like he was dungy. Like, consistently, everything that's been in his control, he's done everything he can to be up there every weekend, and it's it's shown. Tomac's fourth in points, 52 points behind Osborne. So not just a little bit behind, but that's more than two motos. I expected a little bit more from Tomac in the series, um, if I'm honest. He's not going to win it. He's not, there's not, he's not coming back from that. Oh, God, no. 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 Yeah. That's, that's, that's done. He's just... Yeah. I, I expected him to win. Yeah, I, I thought he would win. But, and, yeah, like if, if I was a betting man, I, I would have had him as the favourite and at minimal being on the podium. But, man, I don't even know if he's going to end up top three in the championship. So. I thought for sure, man, winning that Supercross title, all that pressure would have been off him. I thought he'd just come out and just ride unbelievable because he had no more pressure anymore. He finally got that monkey off the back. But it's like it seems like he's won that thing and now it's like, all right, the drive's gone. Like, and, you know, he's he's chilled out now. He's not stressing. And he was dominant in Salt Lake yeah. City. Like oh, he, like he killed he was, it. He was fast. Like, yeah. he didn't just mail it in to win the championship. Like, he was... On it, so yeah, but he was smashing the motocrossers before this. That was his thing. He could, yeah, motocross kill them always three, four championships in a row. Yeah, yeah, gets the supercross one. Now he can't get the motocross one. Mm. So it's it's weird, huh? Yeah, it's it's almost like he put everything into that supercross title. He just had nothing left, and it almost it it almost looks like that in some motors. Like he just he just looks spent. He looks tired. Yeah, 
Adam Cincerillo with a pretty commanding 1-1 at Millville. And uh, if it wasn't for the 6-38 result at round one at Loretta Lynn's, I think he'd be right there at 29 points behind. If you give him a, you know, he's been on the podium a lot. So if you give him, I don't know, what, 15, 18 points, 20 points, he's not that far behind Osborne, but I still don't think he's been quite as good as Osborne, as good as he has been. So props to Cincerillo there. Any you boys got a comment on Cincerillo there? Yeah, um, I th- think he's yeah he's going good. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, it's made it exciting again. Yeah, nah, I I love AC, massive fan of him. Yeah. So I, I'm just stoked that he's up there. Two fifty class, um, in my opinion, hasn't been quite as exciting as the four fifties to watch. The racing's been a bit more predictable, and I think the experience of those top guys, Dylan Ferrandis, the Martin brothers, and Shane McArath has you know really set them apart from the field. The rest of the guys are sort of in some way, shape, or form, learning the ropes or getting used to the series or still looking for that breakthrough, whereas those top guys have the experience and have competed for championships and they're sort of, yeah, really at the front of the pack. So Ferrandis is your current points leader on 307 points for the Star Yamaha team. Jeremy Martin second, Alex Martin third. Um, Jeremy Martin's 13 points back, so he's He's definitely in with a shot with a couple of rounds to go, but I think with the speed of Ferrandis, it's going to be hard to match. And Alex Martin's 83 points out of the lead. So, yeah, he's a very, very long shot of getting anywhere near the top two. Um, So, yeah, when you look at that championship, third place is wide open with Alex Martin, Shane McArath, and RJ Hampshire, all within seven points with two rounds to go. So uh, I'm not going to try and predict who's going to get third there, boys, but... oh. I guess I like Martin just because of his experience, but yeah, what do you think? I think he's good. Yep, Martin's always there. The troll train. Yeah, at, yep. at the moment, yeah, well, yeah the troll train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for him to go to come back from a back injury to where he is now, I'm talking about Alex. Sorry. Oh, Alex. Oh, sorry, yeah. I thought you were talking about Jeremy. No, no. Sorry, I was talking about Alex Martin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, to get to get third. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, to get third. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, man. A- RJ, if he can stay on the bike, I'm like on WW on the weekend, but he's he did the so flying fast. W. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. That was gnarly, but he's so fast at the minute. Like he can, I reckon he can definitely run up front, and if he can do that, he'll take that third. Yeah, for sure. Jet Lawrence has really picked it up since we spoke about um, him in our last pod. His first motos have been super strong, a few fourths, a few thirds, and then a second in Moto1 at WW Ranch. Second motos haven't been as strong, um, but they are getting better um, with a fifth over the weekend. He's seventh in points, and he could easily get into sixth, uh, get past Justin Cooper there. He's 24 points out of third, which, as we just spoke about, was Alex Martin. I think that's unlikely for for Jet to get up there when you consider his inconsistency still. Like, I don't see him going 2-2 or 3-3 and beating Alex Martin. Like, I think he could beat Alex in one of the motos, but I don't think you can sweep him here out. So I don't think we'll see Jet get much higher than six in the points, but I mean, hope he does. Yeah, I hope he does too. Yeah. yeah. Like Jet- you say, he has his, he's like a Cincerello, has his flashes of brilliance and everything. He's fast as, you know, but he's just, he's learning. First first year there. 17 year old kid. He's going to get it sooner or later. He's that's pretty right. exciting. Hey, Dylan. That's a solid, that's a solid performance, man. You can't hate on that for a rookie, like considering Justin Cooper. He, he's not long in that class, and he's yeah. right there. Like, well, he was a championship contender last year yeah. in the class. Like, yeah, like, yeah, wow. he was fighting for wins. Yeah, I reckon. I, I have a feeling. Give him a cold. If, if the temperatures are a bit cooler these next couple of weekends, I reckon. I, I reckon I can see Jed up the top there. 
Yeah, in the in the third or fourth area, could be coming from Europe where it was cooler and yeah, everything, you know. Yeah, and the boys just have those couple of years of running that afternoon, late afternoon sun, you know, those late motos. If he get a cooler day, he might be able to run up the t- up the front there. Like he's proven mm. it in the first motos, he's just struggling with that afternoon sun, that afternoon heat. So hopefully, get a cooler day, might run up front. Hunter Lawrence, his season had sort of hit the brakes before it even got going with DNFs and a shoulder injury. His best results have um, have come recently, and he slowly improved over the short season. 7-5 at Millville. Um, that was his best. He started off good at WW Ranch with a 6 in Moto 1, but another bike failure left him DNFing the second Moto. Um, you don't see the riders publicly say a whole lot about their teams, right? Just my opinion, but you've got to think that Hunter Lawrence is getting a bit frustrated with Honda. RJ Hampshire was pretty open and Hunter has hinted about his thoughts on the bike being underpowered in previous years. He's had a number of DNFs now and Hunter even got hurt, if you remember, back to last year with his bike failing on him and caused himself an injury. Now the team's lost their title sponsor, so Geico's out. Like we said, it's hard to know what Hunter thinks, but I mean, if it's me, I don't know where my confidence is at in that team. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm... Sure, he's got to ride there next year. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I'd just if I was him, I'd be thinking about my future. What do you think, Jed? I hear they have a new sponsor pretty well already lined up. Yeah, from what you listen to, you know, mm-hmm. other podcasts and stuff. I hear they have another. I hear, I hear it's another insurance company along yeah. the lines of like um, I think it's SunCorp or something like that. Some, yeah, yeah, some like anyway. Top oh, I, I did hear it was another insurance company, yeah. but yeah, so. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, just to me, that whole thing would frustrate me a bit. And, I mean, maybe he's got a super good relationship with the team and all the rest of it. And that puts all that to one side if that relationship is even better than it is. But when you when you say it all like that, it's got to be a bit like, man, you know, what's but, going on here? But on the other hand, you, you don't... Uh, you, you don't mess with who's paying your paychecks, honestly. You, you, don't, <laughs> you, you don't mess with that. You don't go talking bad about the people that employ you. So it's sort of hard in that sense. Um, yeah, I mean, not to say he's got to talk bad about him, but it's that feeling that you get, you know, when you've lost confidence in your team or you've lost confidence in your bike. Yeah, it's or, frustrating for that's sure. That's probably more what I'm getting at. Yeah. Rather, I, I think the sponsor thing would more or less just be the chink in the armour. Like it... You know, like it's easy to sit here and go, oh, look, I've had this drama with the bike and I've got these dramas with the team and now the sponsor's gone. It's sort of the icing on the cake thing, right? Yeah. The sponsor leaving is not going to cancel a deal, but it, it just could lead to the frustrations. And I mean, yeah. if he is happy with the bike and he does love the team, then all that just gets thrown out the window and everything's just fine. But Yeah, it's just but part he of racing. Where can he go? He can't go anywhere. He hasn't got the results. He didn't go good in the Supercross. He's not going good in the motocross. Like he's had injuries. He, yeah, he went good last hard. year on his first year. Like, like star racing's full. Everything's full. Like gas, gas. <laughs> well, yeah, gas, gas. <laughs> KDM, maybe that, that's practically yeah. full, anyways. Old gas, gas. There's all spots yeah. there. If he wanted to spot and he knocked on those doors, you can't tell me they'd turn him away. I don't know, man. Apparently, Derek Drake and Brennan Hartraff are fighting for that last spot. And um, so who's, he, who's that other yeah. rookie that they got there, there now? Um, yeah, I've got it written down here later, actually. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, they've got Pierce Brown, Derek Drake, and Branton Hartraft. Yeah, Hartraft. Yeah, apparently Brown's already got it, and then it's um, Hartraft. And- but here's how I'd put it to you, right? Let's say you're on a team, Dylan. Yeah. Okay? And you've got three dudes there. Yeah. Those three, Pierce Brown, Derek Drake, Brandon Hartraft, and Hunter Lawrence comes knocking on your door. 
Do you really tell him, if you haven't signed any of those guys or you're just in the process of doing a deal with those other guys, do you say, yeah. oh, sorry, pal? Or do you go, That's sort of hard. Hart Raff's got three podiums this year. Exactly. Okay, that's one of the three spots. And Derek Drake's top 10 pretty much every main event that he's won in, and he's a rookie. That was his first year. Has he won a moto? No. But when was the last time Hunter did either? Yeah, that's last year. Exactly. Yeah, last year. Yeah, Still before he got injured. Anyway, so. interesting topic. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> oh, it totally is. Um, question for you both. Jed, I'll start with you. Most impressive thing that you've seen so far in the AMA motocross season? It could be impressive team, impressive bike, impressive person. Don't know. What do you got? Oh, I'm going with Zach Osborne and Cincerello. Yep. Straight up. Osborne, you know, he's probably going to win the championship. Didn't even didn't even think he would do that. But just Cincerello, how fast he is, how he, he's going to win championships. They're, they're not going to catch him. Dylan, most impressive thing to you? Same criteria, mate? Honestly, man, Jerry Martin. Like... That injury he had, broken back, come back from that, two years off the bike, like to come back to that type of racing and to win again, that's badass. Like, that's insane. I don't, I, I don't know if I could do it, coming back from an injury like that. Yeah, broken back. Yeah, yeah, that's just, that's stuff of nightmares right there. And he's come back and he's riding like he always did and it's like he never left. Like, yeah. That's insane. My most impressive thing is Chase Sexton. 12... 12th, 6th, and 5th in his first three seasons in the 250 class. So, like, he didn't do that much on a 250 outdoors, right? I know he's got a couple of 250 Supercross championships, but I think if you look back at that and you look at the results and you take a close look, you go, oh, he wasn't even that dominant in those series. Like, I know he was in Salt Lake City, but that's a pretty small token to take from someone's, you know, three-year career as a as a pro. Um, he's trained with Stu now, though, so... I was just—I was just, just going to say, yeah. look at who he's who he's coaching. A hundred trainer is, is is Stuart, and he probably says, "You need to quad that." Yeah, yeah. I'd quad that. You, you need to, you need to quad that, that <laughs> as hard as you can. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, he had one moto win on a two fifty, no overall wins on a two fifty, and only a handful of podiums in his whole two fifty career. So, I must say, when HRC signed him, I was a bit like, oh, "Okay, like I could see his potential." I don't know about a podium guy, maybe like top ten dude, but. I mean, I think he's really taken to the big bike. He is solid. He is fast. He's been fastest in qualifying. Like you guys just said, he's trained at Stewart's joint. He was leading motos. He was pushing Cincerullo at WW Ranch like no one's business. Like, I- I'm really impressed with Chase Sexton. I always knew his style would suit that 450. Like, you watch him on a 250, he always ran that high gear. He was always smooth on the throttle. He, never, he was never that aggressive guy that could run that tip edge that you have to to win on a 250 on an outdoors. Yeah, I was going to say that it's the same as like a Cole Seeley. Yeah, but just consistent. He can run that lap time every single lap for a 30-minute plus two, no worries. And you can see that. You can watch in his lap times. He's super consistent. He's, it's, it's awesome. He's definitely not the pin-it-to-win-it racer. No, like, no, but he'll be there at the end, mm. which is what you need to be. Like, look at Dunge. He was, he was never the fastest qualifier. Like, never. But he was always there at the end. And that's how he won championships. That's how he turned around and five five rounds in, he had like a 40-point lead because he was never off the podium. That's right. It was always there. Yeah. Most disappointing thing so far about the series, or maybe not disappointing, just could be unexpected or, you know, maybe you thought something about the series was going to be better. Again, it could be a track, it could be a team, it could be a bike, a rider, or whatever you like. Uh, I'll start with you on this one, Dylan. What do you think 
you had yeah. higher expectations of or I, I didn't I didn't have high expectations of, of him coming into the series, but after Jason won that first moto, I thought, Man, here we go. Like Jason he, Anderson. Yeah, Jason Anderson's back. He like he's back to his twenty seventeen form. Like he's gonna come out and compete and do some motos and do some damage, like really run up the front. But then after, you know, that second moto, he was just nowhere yeah. in the next couple of rounds and then obviously getting injured, I was like I was a bit bummed. Like I, I wanted to see him up there again. He was always awesome to watch. Yeah, I think he's an entertaining character for the series, and I think he adds a lot to the championship more than just Jason Anderson, the ex-Supercross champion, the competitive racer, blah, blah, blah. I think he adds a lot of color to the series. Yeah, 100%. and brings a lot, a lot of flavor of in. Yeah. yeah, like he brings a lot to the championship, and I'd agree. He was someone that, you know, you think, oh, man, that sucks for that guy. You know? Yeah, and he's he's like, I, I feel like he's a lot like Barsha. In some ways, he's not afraid to throw it in. He makes it interesting, like the racing. He, he gets creative. It's cool to watch when he's on fire. Definitely throws it in. Jed, same question to you, mate. What maybe did you have higher hopes of for the series? Yeah, well, I was thinking Jason Anderson as well, you know, coming out the first round and everything. But Hunter Lawrence. Oh, you had high expectations. I think the, the series is great. The teams are great. Um, what they're doing is great. So we'll bring it down to the riders. Yeah, I had more expectations from Hunter Lawrence after his season last year. Yeah, you know, um, battling with AC, he won a moto. I, I, I would, I would, you know, if he wasn't as dominant, he was more dominant than AC. Yep. Um, I ex- kind of expected him to come out and do the same. He kind of took it easy in the Supercross. Where is he in the motocross? And that's and that's that's his thing. His motocross, he doesn't do Supercross. My most disappointing take is the entire Troy Lee Designs KDM team. Sorry, most disappointing thing. Did I say impressive? Anyway, no, disappointing. Whatever yeah. it was. Most disappointing for me, biggest letdown has been the entire Troy Lee KDM team. Like, what are they doing? Pierce Brown, Derek Drake, Brandon Hart left. <laughs> it's Shane, hard. It's hard. Shane McElrath and Jordan Smith left the team in 2019, which did leave them high and dry. Like, you've got to admit that. Um, now they're going to gas gas. And when you look at that team over the past, they just haven't had that much consistency. They haven't had huge results. Like Jordan Smith was in the title contention that year with Zach Osborne when he wiped out Joey Savacci and he threw it away mid-race. Like he had the speed. You can't say it was a team thing, but whatever it might be, I think if you look at that, well, from my point of view anyway, if you look at that Troy Lee Designs KDM team, I just think, what could have been? Like Pierce Brown has been lightning fast, just has not had it together. Hart and Ramp's been really solid and I think he's been the best rider on the team. Be interesting to see, you know, where it develops, where it goes once they go to Gas Gas, and you know, with the string of results they've had, whether they sort of look at that a bit or whether they just think it's a chink in the road. But yeah, who knows? That's the most disappointing thing for me. To be honest, oh, you want you can't really expect much from that team this year though, because it is a brand new rider lineup. The like Heart Raps only just come off of a privateer sort of setup. It's his first year on a factory bike. You know, he's, he's gotten some solid results in the Supercross, a couple of podiums. So, and the other two are straight out of amateurs, straight out of rookies. So it's their first year doing outdoors. It's a lot to take in. Um, it's a whole different ball game for him. So I reckon top 10 for them is a solid result. And Heart Raps been up there a couple of motos. Like he, I'd say team-wise, you couldn't really expect much more. And I'd be pretty pumped if I was, if the team owner with this year and I was going into next year with a similar rider lineup, like if I was taking Drake and Hartraff with me next year, I'd be pretty confident going into the next year as, you know, 
look at where these riders could develop into, you know? It's a solid building block. I think those riders have plenty of potential. I, I don't think there's any shortage of talent that's been across that team. Like, if you look at their roster, 100%, it's just for whatever reason, yeah, it just sort of seemed to haven't landed on the podium. So, mm. interesting to see where they develop. If you look at the... All the good riders have just gone to the Star Yamaha team. Oh, and here we go. <laughs> look, look, look at all the bikes that are whole shot and, and hey man, It's like everyone and, going to the Lakers. Like it's, it's just the flavour of the month at the minute, isn't it? Yamaha's just developed. We're just, we're just dominating. Anything else, Team Yamaha? Or? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's all for now. We're just winning. Hey, hey, back in 2011, we would have been saying the same thing about Mitch Payton. It goes in waves. <laughs> <laughs> If you have a question or something you would like to talk about, send us an email or message us on Facebook and Instagram. The MXGP Tour headed off to Italy for the last four rounds. And as we record this, there's still two more to go in Mantova. We're around that midpoint of the season at the moment. And when you take a quick look at the points, you can see those top guys are really just starting to break away from the pack now and make a run towards the championship. So in MXGP, we've got Tim Geiser, who's your current points leader over Tony Caroli. In third is Jeremy Siwa. Jed, your boy, Jeffrey Hurlings. I'm disappointed. He beat himself again. Yeah. He's his worst enemy, man. He is, yeah. Super fast. You just It's going to happen sooner or later, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why it just keeps happening to him. He's just so fast. Yeah, he's just on the edge. Yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah, he doesn't know how to back it down. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Exactly. Tim Geyser and Tony Caroli seem to have grabbed the series a bit. Neither have been like super dominant, as in like a hurlings type fashion. But they're about the only ones who can seem to consistently run or near the front or at the front. Geyser, I think, has the speed edge over Caroli. He's got a few more moto wins. But you can't count the old dog out. Like, he is just... Dude, how's the old guy? Going to be like, solid. You he's know like, he's going like to get it done. He's like 34, 35 and still leading championships. Like, man, that's a solid effort. Mm. I'm not obviously super up to speed on what the GP bikes are, but, like, you've got to think, too, that that bike of Corolli's is, like, the bee's knees. Like, I'm sure Geyser's Honda's good. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's a works Honda. It's mm. no slouch. But just something makes me think that Corolli's bike is something special. Like... That Whoa, man, experience, got... talent, the years of testing, the years of development. It's his own team. Like, God. You got to think, he hasn't left. Like, he hasn't changed teams in, what, 10 years he's been with KDM? Yeah. Like, and... that that produces a lot of time to really perfect every little detail on that bike. Like, he would have that thing down to a T on every track. Like, that have old suspension settings to go back to on every track they race. Like, that stuff's just, that's just you know, unheard of with other teams and other riders. Yeah, and it's not a production bike. That's a it's a works bike. They can change whatever they want over there. They can change the frames. It's not like the US or over here. They can change the frames, swing arms, geometries, whatever they want. Mm-hmm. That thing is designed for him. And he's just setting here, setting there, setting there. He knows what he wants. He's got all the tricks of the trade. Yeah. Jorge Prado is coming on really strong in the last few GPs. I've been watching it a little bit, and he grabbed a moto in there in Fienza. Uh, he's grabbed a bunch of podiums, and I think he's got a really bright, bright future, um, Jorge Prado, in that class. Like, start of the season, he was coming back from injury there and sort of, you know, just getting up to speed. But, yeah, I think lately he's really grabbing the reins, and I think he could be a podium threat, you know, year in, year out, if he can hold that consistency. Do you guys think he's Prado? gonna be? A t- he's going to be a title contender next year, for sure. He's going to be tough to beat. 
Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Mitch Evans, his best finish, uh, 4-8 at Fienza. He's 11th in points at the moment. He's a fair way behind DeSalle and Paul Ann. Uh, I think it's close to 50-odd points. But look, steady improvements from the Queenslander. He's really starting to find his feet in MXGP this year after only, look, one year on the little bike. Um, I don't know if you know any insider, Dylan, but I hope he scores that HRC seat again for next year. That'd be really cool to see. And I think if he gains, you know, can get another ride and gain that bit more experience, I mean, I think he can be top five every time the gate drops. Oh, man, I have no doubt in my mind that he can be up there every weekend. The, the dude is just consistent. All the time. Like, he's always there. He doesn't get um, flustered much, doesn't get in the head games, nothing like that. He's always focused on himself. He doesn't really care about what anyone else is doing. He's definitely just got the speed. He's smooth. I know he can do it. But just coming back from that shoulder, Rico, is really, you know, it's a tough injury to come back from. And considering he only had, like, a month on the bike before it all went back racing, like, everyone spent three months training back in Europe. He was back home recovering. Like, he didn't even have the HRC Honda bike over here to ride on, to test on or anything when he got back on the bike. So I, I reckon he's doing a stand-up effort. Yeah, we spoke about that. I think it was on the last episode of that. that One of them. Um, yeah, that... He didn't have a bike or anything. Didn't have a bike over here, and they wouldn't let him ride. No. He wasn't allowed to ride. Yeah, no, because... He, he couldn't even go and buy his own bike and ride. No, it was... Yeah, I didn't know... I didn't understand what was going on there for a while. I'd... I knew that they end up getting him a bike for like a week or two, and then he was back over in Europe, and then he was testing for that. But he only got like a month on that HRC Honda before he went racing. So, yeah, it was he was behind the eight ball for sure. You spent a bit of time riding with him. Like I think he rode your Supercross track a lot there, leading up to the Supercross series here in Australia a few years back. Dylan, I mean, as a rider, technically and all that stuff, I mean, I think he's pretty special. Yeah, man. I. He's like watching Dungey ride, I reckon. He's just got perfect style, and he's he looks like he's going slow, but you watch his lap times, and he is hauling ass, but he just makes it look effortless. It's it's awesome to watch. Um, I spent a lot of time with him, uh, when was it, 2018? Yeah, that's When he was right. riding Raceline from KDM. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I spent a fair bit of time with him during motocross. We did come out to my track, and they'd do some testing, and... Spent a lot of time with him there in the motocross and supercross season. Top bloke. Always has time for you. It doesn't matter who you are. And really helped me a lot in terms of just little cues and my riding technique. He's really switched on with how everything works too. Like really wants to know what changes work, how it affects the bike with suspension and that. So he's really switched on with everything. To the 250 class, uh, Tom Vial is your current points leader. Yago Gertz is second. Maxime Renault is third. Uh, it's pretty tight at the top. Vial's got a 30-point lead over Geertz, but I, I would imagine Vial's the favourite there. Jed Beaton, the Aussie Tasmanian, is in fourth in the points, and he's 100 back from the leader, but only nine points out of third. So I think there's every chance in the world that, that Jed Beaton can climb that one spot. He had a massive moto win um, at that last race in Mantua, and... Is Mantua? Yeah, it was Mantua. I was watching it this morning. Um, he got a great start, grabbed the lead early on, set the pace. And I think it just goes to show that with a good start, you know, he's got the speed to win. Hopefully it's boosted his confidence and, you know, we can see him compete for those moto wins for the rest of the year. I'd love to see him do an overall, but look, one step at a time. Let's um, just keep getting those moto wins. Like I said, he's fourth in points, nine back of third. Battles on for the podium, boys. Yeah, I think he can do it. 
Yeah, if if he stays consistent, like you said, get the starts. It's just got to click. That's it. Once it all clicks, he'll be right. And hopefully that win is the confidence booster he needs. Yeah, yeah. he's got that motor win now. So, you know, one more and it'll just start clicking off for him. If he just rides that podium wave now, he'd be, he'd be sweet. Yeah, and he's on one of the best bikes in the field, that factory Husqvarna. Don't think there's any doubt there. Nathan Crawford, 14th overall in points. Bailey Malkowicz, 21st overall in points. Slight improvements from those boys. Um, like we said last episode, both have got the top 10 speed and have got top 10 results, but are sort of coming up a little short on the consistency and crashes are holding them back. So uh, let's hope those guys can, can find their feet a little bit there. Um I must say, I like what I see him from Malkowicz in the last little bit. He seems to have, like, yeah, he's got the crashes, but I think he seems to be on a nice, steady improvement. So hopefully we can see those boys bring it up the field a bit more. Um, before we finish up on the GPs, I was interested to see that Wilson Todd's gone back to the UK. He appears to be getting ready for the for his return to the GPs. Obviously, I'm not sure when that's happening, but Lommel is coming up here on the 18th of October, so maybe then. Kyle Webster uh, rides for the Penrite Honda team here in Australia. He's shipped off overseas to ride for the JM Honda team. Unfortunately, he had a bit of a spill during a practice race, um, and he's out at the moment, but hoping to be ready for Lommel in a few weeks' time. Hopefully those guys go all right when they come back. I mean, any thoughts on Crawford, Malkowicz, Wilson Todd, Kyle Webster, boys? Hey, once add? Webster gets on that sand, he's going he's gonna to be fast. He was he's good in the sand, so I think he'll fit right in at Lommel. I'm not sure about the rest of the guys, but I think hey, he'll West, be fine. West Aussies, man, they always freaks in the sand. That's all they ride on over there. Sand gropers, they love it. Jed, yeah, more Aussies, the better. Yeah. <laughs>